Okay, so I have a question for you. How many of you honestly struggle with self-confidence? Anyone struggle with insecurities, feelings of inadequacy, like you just don't measure up? Let's be honest, almost every one of us have some insecurities. We lack confidence some way, somehow. And, you know, it kind of shows up in at least three ways. One of it is people pleasers, right? That you can get so stuck trying to please people, like to measure up to the boss, like to kiss up to the boss. That's a form of insecurity, right? Like I'm not enough, and so we go the extra mile. It could be fishers. You ever seen those people that really they're insecure about their fishing? They're fishing for compliments. Like they'll just throw something out there hoping that you'll kind of take the bait and say something. Maybe they got their hair done and they, so they kind of lead into it so you'll say, oh wow. Or you took that selfie and you put it on Instagram or you put it on Facebook and you're hoping people will say, wow, it doesn't even look like you have makeup on and you look so beautiful. They're just fishing for a compliment. Or it also can show up in those one-uppers, right? The people that no matter what your story is, no matter what you got going on, they're name droppers, they're one-uppers. No matter what you've done, they've got one-up on you and they make that known. Those are all signs of people that are struggling with self-confidence. They're insecure. Um, And listen, the struggle with this self-confidence thing, the struggle with insecurities, it, it doesn't just make us feel bad, guys. It's not just about that. It absolutely will rob you of the life that God wants you to live, that he has for you. God doesn't want you to struggle like that. So here's my thing, and if you don't get anything else today, I hope you get this. And uh, if you're taking notes or if you're downloading those, you can fill this in. We don't need more self-confidence. You see, there's all kinds of self-confidence books out there you can buy and all that, but I'm saying we don't need more self-confidence. What we need is to cultivate more God-confidence. We need more God-confidence. I I don't need more self-confidence. I need to find a way to live my life in the sense of holy boldness, knowing that, listen, I got to believe who God says I am. I need more God-confidence. Well, who does he say I am? Not trying to pull myself up, right? Because if I place my confidence in me, Jeremiah 17 says that my heart's deceitful. Why would I want to put a bunch of time and place confidence in a deceitful heart that I have, right? I mean, why? Jesus said this in Matthew. He said that my flesh is weak. Why would we put a lot of effort into a weak flesh? You see, it's not necessarily about us. It's about God who lives in us as believers. Paul wrote to the believers in the church of Rome in Romans chapter 7. He says, my behavior is inconsistent. Can you relate to that? Our behavior is inconsistent. But look at what David wrote in Psalm 57, 7. He says, my heart is confident in you. God, my heart is confident in you. He's got a high God confidence, right? My heart is confident in you. No wonder I can sing your praises, God. No wonder because I'm looking at you. My confidence is in you. Our lives have to flow out of a deep sense of identity of who God says we are and who God is. That's where you raise your quotient of God confidence. And so today I want to give you three thoughts Three thoughts about this God confidence thing where you and I can cultivate more of God confidence and focus on him and who he says we are. So here's, here's where we're going with this. We believe a lot of lies. 
Let's just face it. One of the reasons we struggle with self-confidence is we believe a lot of lies. We believe we're inadequate, and those inadequacies that we struggle with, we hear other people say, we see the media put things out there, and we try to measure up to those things. Those are not truths. Those are lies. And so I want to focus on truths today, and we got to look at God's Word. That's where you find truth. Look at what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern or the culture of this world, and that's what many of us do. But instead, he says, be transformed. How are we to be transformed? We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do you renew your mind? You have to put something different in it. And he's saying, instead of putting the world's opinions in and what they're selling, spend time in my word and put my truths in your mind. Don't focus on what people are saying. Focus on who I say you are. And we do that by reading, by putting God's word in our mind. He says, that's how I'm gonna transform you by the renewing of your mind. So here's number one, to cultivate a sense of God's confidence. If you're taking notes, my God is always for me. That's truth. That is absolute truth. God is always for me. God is always for you. Now, maybe you grew up like I grew up and I kind of struggled. I, I kind of had an idea of God was he was always watching. He's everywhere at once, which is true. But I had this idea that God was kind of out to get me, that he was kind of waiting for me to mess up so he could pounce on me, right? And he could, he could zap me. That's not God's nature. But I didn't know the truth. So I thought, oh, that's who God is. Think about that as a parent. Do you want to be seen as that parent? I mean, I don't know of too many parents, unless they're sick, that look for their kids to just mess up, that they're watching their kids. And when they mess up, they just want to pounce on them and zap them. I don't know parents who do that. Like parents, we get excited when we see our kids playing or performing or doing well. We want our kids to do well. We're, we're their number one cheerleaders. No one's sitting in a corner as a parent waiting for their kids to mess up. Nor is our God. And you know what? There's not much more that's more attractive than a person that has some God confidence. You ever notice that? You might not even know why you're drawn to certain people that tend to have this God confidence. And I'm not talking arrogance. I'm not talking about the things that the world gets impressed by. I'm talking about somebody that's got this humble outlook, somebody that just is confident who they are as God's children. They might not be the most beautiful people on the outside, right? The world might not judge them that way, but there's just something about them. They've got this sense to them. There's just something about them because they know who they are in Christ, and there's something about that that just, you're like, wow. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, this is not a question, but it's a statement, even though it has a question mark. My God is for me, therefore, who on earth could be against me? If God is for me and he's cheering me on, who in the world then could be against me? Like, what else could there be? Think about that. If God is for you, how could you be against you? If God says you're a one-of-a-kind, unique masterpiece, how could you be against that? You see, as Christ followers, we don't live our lives chasing the approval of God. You don't have to. We live our lives as an overflow from what we already have in Christ. God says, you've already got my approval. You don't have to seek something. You just get to live from that approval knowing that I'm for you. The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 10.35, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. 
There's that confidence. It's in him. Remember the great reward it brings you. Just focus on him. He's always for you. Don't try to seek his approval. You already have it in Christ. So that's number one, God is always for me. Here's number two, my God always helps me. My God always helps me. Always helps me. Again, the author of Hebrews, look at verse five and six of Hebrews 13. Never will I leave you. That's a promise. That's truth. You can take that to the bank. God says, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, you can have confidence because of his promises, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. (laughs) He's for you, he's in your corner, he's a helper, you don't need to be afraid. So why do we often feel so unsure? Why do we feel like we just don't have the tools to do and you just fill in your blank? Why do you feel inadequate to do and you just fill in the blank? But we do. But listen, we've got a helper. God says, I will help you. One of the most amazing things that have been going on in my world during this whole stay home, pandemic, all that, is the the number of conversations that I've had with people around Crossroads and out in the community. And some of the most heartfelt conversations that I've had is just mind-blowing. People, I think, even though they're not necessarily comfortable and they're kind of out of sorts, they're doing some soul-searching, if you will. They're kind of realizing and seeing life in a different way. And to hear the stories of neighbors helping neighbors and showing the love of Christ in tangible ways... I mean, we haven't even met in person for three months. I'm so excited and about next week. But, and yet, the church is actually being the church. Church isn't a place where followers go. It's who we are. And our God will help us whenever we struggle. Our God is a God who stands in your corner ready to help. In our weakness, he's not weak. And his strength is made perfect in your weakness. So if you feel weak, you're set yourself up for a great situation because in your weakness, God is strong. And let's be honest, some people are really struggling right now. But many of us will look back a year from now or two years from now and we're gonna see things that we don't currently see of how God used circumstances and situations and things that we didn't really enjoy at the time or we couldn't figure out and he did something that you never expected that he could do. In fact, David wrote this in Psalm 46, 1, that God is our refuge and strength. And get this, an ever-present help in trouble. God is an ever-present help in trouble. If you're finding yourself in a situation currently you don't know what to do, I've got a good tip for you. Invite the presence of God there. Say, God, listen, I heard you you say you're a helper. I need help right now. And you know what's so great about that? Emmanuel, God is with us. He's with us. So God is for me. He will always help me. And here's number three. I love this one. My God is still working in me. I'm still a work in progress. You're still a work in progress. You've got breath today. You're taking breath today, right? That means God's not done with you. Let me ask you a question. Anybody feel a little bit frustrated that you're still struggling with some things that you've struggled with for a long, long time? Like, do you ever just get mad at yourself or you're frustrated? It's like, man, I've had this same struggle for years now. Like, what's going on? God's not done with you. You're still a work in progress. Someone ought to type that into chat, right? 
God is not done with me. God is not done with me. I'm not a finished product. Paul said this to the people of Philippi, Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, being confident, I'm confident in God about this, that God who began a good work in you will be faithful and just to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, you're not complete yet. Jesus is gonna come back one day, then he's gonna make us all complete, but until then, we're just a work in progress. God's not done. I love that. Even when we blow it, and you will blow it, God's still working. He's not done with you. He's going to finish that work. God doesn't quit. He doesn't get frustrated like we get frustrated. God doesn't say, you know what? I've tried my best. I can't even do anything with you. God doesn't do that. He doesn't say, I'm going to wash my hands with this one and be done with you. No, no, no. He's still working in you. And he loves you and he's for you. And he wants to help. We're not going to be complete until we're in his presence. That's why Paul writes, until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, we're not going to be made perfect until then. You're not done until you get to heaven. And until then, God is still for you. He's still working in you. He's still helping you. You're still a work in progress. So listen, be patient with yourself because God is patient with you. You still struggle with spiritual doubts? Of course you do. God's not done. You're still struggling. You got this nagging habit that you can't seem to overcome. God's not done with you. Don't quit. God's not quitting on you. You say, gee whiz, but my mind, I get so focused on what other people say, then stay off of social media. Spend more time in God's word than you do reading other people's comments. Of course your mind's not going to be transformed. You're constantly putting that junk in. You're living from one compliment to the next or, oh, gee whiz, they said something that I didn't like and oh, and it just sends you all over the map. Listen, focus on him. We need more God confidence, not self-confidence. And here's the thing, this is why this truth is so critical for us. (laughs) Because we tell ourselves so many things every day, I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. I'm never going to be as good as so-and-so. You weren't meant to be so-and-so, and and they're probably not as good as they've made you believe that they are. If we only knew what's going on inside of people's hearts and minds, the people that give us these facades on the outside that says everything is okay, if we knew the truth, a lot of people are falling apart. Some of you know my story, right? A couple of years ago, I was really, really struggling. I was in a dark place. I was in a place where it was hard for me to get up many days and just do what I've done for over 30 years. And finally, I just was kind of at my wits end and like, I don't know what else to do. So I shared with our staff and leaders and all of that. And and we kind of did a nationwide search and I ended up going all the way across the country to Oregon and uh, stayed a week with a couple that I had never met before. (laughs) They had come pretty highly regarded, right, and said, hey, we think these people could help you. And and I wish I could give you some big earth-shattering thing that we did. We did several things. Most of all, I talked, and they talked, and I listened. (laughs) But you know, one of the biggest triggers for me, one of the, this is gonna sound so weird, but it was so true, and it's so powerful still to this day. They reminded me of something because sometimes we need to be reminded of things that we already know. This was something that I really probably knew pretty much all my life. And here's what they told me, that God loves me. 
that God loves me, not because of what I do, not because I'm a pastor of a church, not because I've done it for a long time, not even because the church is a fairly large church. That's not why God loves me. God doesn't love me based on what I'm doing or what my title is or what other people think of me. God will just love Scott Winstead because God loves Scott Winstead, because God created him, and he's a child of God. It took me all the way back to being a little kid in Sunday school that Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. How could you not love you when God loves you? We gotta quit looking at everybody else's opinion and even our own opinion of who we are and look at what God says and who he says I am, that I'm enough because God says I'm enough. Even if I don't match up to my own expectations or what I think the world's expectations are, it doesn't matter. And I tell you that because some of you might be at the feel like you're at the bottom of the bottom right now. Your circumstances do not define who you are. And what I hope will happen is, I hope you'll have one of those aha moments today where you understand that God says you're enough and he loves you because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he made you. And he's with you. And he's for you. And he's there to help you. You see, if you focus on who God says you are, you can't have a poor self-worth. You only have a poor self-worth when you compare yourself to others. When you focus on what others say or even what you say to yourself. But if you focus on who God says you are, it'll change you. It'll change you. Listen. I don't need you to like me because God is crazy about me. And his opinion of me matters. I'm going to ask that you would just prepare your heart this morning to worship God through prayer. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching from, if you're comfortable on your knees, maybe do that. If you're more comfortable standing, maybe stand. If you're comfortable just sitting where you're at, just do that. And you pour out your heart as I pray to God and just thank him for loving you. He'll make all things new if you don't know him. You can give your life to him. And so today, maybe this prayer can be kind of a war cry from you to God. And you're not gonna live out of this inadequacy anymore. But you're gonna live your life out of who God says you are because he says you're amazing and he loves you because he made you. So would you bow your heads with me? And before I pray, I wonder how many of you would just admit that you're struggling with this inadequacy. Just give it to God today. Raise your God confidence as you focus on him in this pray. God, I pray for every person watching. No matter where they're at today, God, watching online, I pray for those who are struggling with lies that don't seem to stop. God, we claim your truth, your promises, that you're for us, that you love us. 
Not when we change, but you love us just where we are today. Set us free from our past, from the inner dialogue that goes on in so many of our minds, from the hatred that some people have of themselves and for the things that they've done. God, let your word speak louder in our lives than anyone else's voice. May we turn to your truth. As we're still praying today, I want to read just a passage of Scripture for you. Just continue just to listen. Colossians 1 verse 4 and 5 says, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and we've heard of your love for all of God's people which comes, listen to this, from the confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. (laughs) For some of you here today, quite honestly, you don't have a confident hope that heaven is going to be your home. You have a wish, maybe a desperate wish. You're hoping that maybe by the time you die, your good will outweigh the bad in your life. Can I just tell you that'll never work? That's not the way it works. You see, you're a sinner, period. I'm a sinner, period. And if we die that way, without receiving Christ, We'll be separated from God for all eternity. But the good news is Jesus so loved you, he sent his self. He came. God's son, Jesus, came to this earth to live and to die for you, to pay for what you did wrong so that you don't have to pay. He was perfect. And if you'll receive him by faith in your heart and life, you'll get credit for his perfection because he's already paid for your imperfection. If that's you today, let me tell you, that's the greatest opportunity you'll ever have. He'll give you a brand new life. He adopts you into his family, never to be unadopted. And when he looks at you, he won't see what you've done. He'll see his perfect son living inside of you. If that's you today, right where you're at, make this your prayer. From your heart to God's ears, say, Heavenly Father, I need you. I want you. I've sinned, God. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to change me, transform me from the inside out. Fill me with your spirit so from this day forward I can live for you. Follow your truth. Be your son, your daughter. And I say thanks for the greatest gift that I could never, ever deserve. And I give you the praise in your name. Amen.